It is Saturday, August 18th. Happy Takeover Day. You are tuned into Season 2, Episode 33, Part 2 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. <laughs> It's a show so loaded that we had to split it into two parts, and today is all about SummerSlam. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HGMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. But of course, ladies and gents, on an episode this big, I can't carry it alone. Please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, the Tangaloa to my Tama Tonga, the leader of the underground death squad, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, good morning. It's me. It's me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, WKRP. Rick Vickery back here in the Hitting Works Pro Wrestling Podcast, ready for round two. Uh, Jarko, as you can see, you know the, the great listeners can't see this, but as you can see, I have positioned myself uh, almost as if I am in Dr. Shelby's office. I, I am on the couch laid out, uh, ready, ready for you to try to make some sense and, and, and walk me off the ledge here. Well, you know, I was a psych major in college. I, I know. See, so this is this place together. See, this is this is why I work in a dark room by myself because I just can't stand you people. Psychology just ruined mankind for me. We're here to talk about SummerSlam today, and of course, you have heard God knows how many SummerSlam prediction shows at this point. But I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, this one. This one's going to be different because me and Rick, we got together last night and we were bouncing some ideas off of each other. We don't want this to be just another SummerSlam preview show. We are going to tell you how we would make this thing one of the most memorable shows in WWE history. Huckleberry, you ready for this one? I am. You know, it was last night we were we we're kind of a little a little prep on this thing and we were talking about some potential uh, big angles and not necessarily... You know, us being the booker here, uh, but but picking up some, some keys. Uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, and we're hoping that they give us some very pleasant swerves. That's right. It's time to pick things up a notch as we get head into uh, 2019 and the new TV deal. We're going to start it right here tonight. Let's uh, let's start the show off with uh, a match that I, I don't know too much about. And Huckleberry, I don't know how much you've been watching 205 Live. Cedric Alexander, the Cruiserweight Champion, is defending against Drew Gulak on the September 24th episode or July 24th, September 24th. Yeah, we're going back a year. No, on the July 24th episode of 205 Live, Drew Gulak defeated Mustafa Ali, Hideo Itami, and TJ Perkins in a fatal four-way match to earn the right to challenge Cedric Alexander for the Cruiserweight Championship. On July 30th, the match was made official. Huckleberry, have you been watching any of this feud? Do you watch 205 Live? 
yeah, it, 205 Live, it kind of falls into one of those areas, you know, where like NXT, where I binge watch it. Uh, and, you know, really just to put over the product, uh, just that brand itself first, uh, they've done a tremendous job of, of restructuring themselves, rebuilding their image. It, it's a pretty entertaining division or brand. You know, this match itself, though, I, I think it's ready for 205 itself is ready to evolve. Uh, where you have someone like Gulak, who, who I, if, I think he, you know, he he brings to the table everything you want in the ring, but he's also going to give you that added bonus of actually being a true character. Uh, you know, outside of where they tend to go with, you, you've got these amazing in-ring talents as champs, and then you had Enzo, who was everything about character and an absolute just you know a train wreck in the ring. Uh, I think you have the best of both worlds with Gulak. I, I will say very disappointed. Uh, I thought for these guys to be going forward, just WWE in general with 205 Live, it was very important where they positioned this thing on the card. Very disappointing to see it move to the pre-show this week. I, of course, am much like a lot of you listeners out there. I don't watch 205 Live at all. They shit down my throat long enough that I quit watching that show. And I keep hearing how good it is. And I've seen a couple of matches here and there that have been absolutely fantastic. The problem is there's no star power on that show. There's nobody that I really want to watch on that show. Well, you know, again, it goes back to if they would just, it, we, as we talked on our previous show this week where we were previewing NXT, you had, you had mentioned that the top of the roster in NXT is so star-loaded a lot of those guys would qualify for 205. Yeah, it's just a matter of do they want to put them on 205 Live instead of Raw or SmackDown? Are they willing to make that kind of commitment to 205 Live? And I'm just not sure that they are there at this point. Unless it move it to FS1. If they do end up moving 205 Live to FS1, I absolutely expect they're going to load up some star power on that show. Agreed. Which way are you uh, falling in this thing? I, I think I'm going to go with Cedric Alexander to retain, but like I said, I, can't, I really can't make an informed decision here because I just don't watch the show. Well, as I said, I, I think it's time for just that, that brand to evolve, and I think Gulak adds you know, the in-ring credibility and the character work, so I'm going with him. See, I, I, I just want to somehow get the title on Hideo Itami, so I'm going to go with Cedric Alexander to retain, and hopefully his next feud is Itami. That's, that's kind of my logic, but... I'm just a Hideo Itami homer. Of course, he's going to be doing that spot over at Noah with uh, Maru Fuji here very, very soon. I'm looking forward to that as well. Maybe when he comes back, that's when they finally give Hideo some kind of a push. Here's a, a match that we, we actually do know something about. We've been talking about this match long before this match was announced. Andrade Cien Almas with Zelina Vega taking on Rusev and Lana. This is a mixed tag that's going to be on the pre-show. On the July 24th episode of SmackDown, CN defeated Rusev. The following week, Zelina Vega defeated Lana. A rematch between Vega and Lana, with Vega winning again. And then on August 11th, this match was finally announced. Uh, Huckleberry, it seems as though Lana and Rusev are poised for a victory here, but I'm going to go with CN and Zelina Vega. Yeah, I, this one is a tough call. Uh, again, not. I don't think we're going to get anything spectacular from this match, but it, it is a little interesting to see where this story kind of evolves to. I think the wild card here, obviously, is Aiden English, right? And that's that's where it's going to get interesting. You know what? 
What are they going to do there? What dynamic is he going to play here? This is going to be about the story going on between those three uh, and moving all almost forward, or is just going to prolong it where all they're all going to be entangled in something? Well, I guess my feeling is, does Rusev and Lana, are they hurt by a loss here? Because I don't feel like they are at all. I feel like CN and Vega are still establishing themselves on the main roster. They really need the victory, right? I, I agree with you. But, you know, repeatedly, uh, you know, the, you know, Vega's been stealing those wins, uh, almost getting wins. I just feel in a, in a WWE booking world. Everything says Rusev and Lana should win this match. Right. In, in their narrative, how they typically handle things. Uh, I, but I do agree with you. I think that, you know, that, that almost in Vega, they're the ones that need this thing going forward. So let's talk about the main card. Huckleberry, I went through and I formatted this thing. This is how I would actually lay out the card. I'm curious if you agree. What This is always one of those very, very difficult positions for me is figuring out what match should be your curtain jerker, especially on a show that has 10 matches, eight of which are for a championship or some kind of prize. This was a really, really hard one to figure out. I expect they are going to open with New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers. That's what I really think they're going to do. But what I would do, I would open with Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens for the Money in the Bank briefcase. I would send out Braun Strowman as your curtain jerker and get this thing out of the way so that you have another six hours or so to completely forget about the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh. It- I also I, I would I agree with you, uh, and mainly because this is going to be a long show, a very uh, long show. And, and in WWE fashion, they need something to get this crowd excited out of the gate. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna open with Braun Strowman, man. I mean, who's gonna get the biggest pop, right? He he definitely is. Well, I think Kevin would get just as equally, you know, get that big pop there. Uh, those two coming out of the gate. And then it sets that tone for the rest of the evening where you're thinking, okay, we've got, we've got this money in the bank established. We know who the case holder is. Now, when is the universal championship match going to happen? And do we see, you know, magic? Well, that, that's when you bookend the show, because obviously Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar is going to be the last thing that we talk about on this show. I mean, that's your main event, right? And you do realize, uh, talking pre-show, we skipped something. Oh, what did we skip? They, they've they added uh, the B-team versus the Revival. Oh, the I didn't even realize that had been added. Yeah, that, that was a, a late a late ad uh, that they announced uh, just in a graphic on on Monday. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's put Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens on hold here for a second then, because I do want to talk about that match, and more specifically, I want to talk about Matt Hardy. Um... I do think it, if this match is going to happen tonight, I'm going with the revival. Uh, yeah, I, man, I, I still think, you know, this thing getting thrown on the pre-show. I saw, I think the B team, uh, just picks up a big win here. Uh, this was just something to, to get the, to get those, those championships on this show. Um, uh, but at, like, I don't think it excites anybody really. 
Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Well, I, that Raw tag team division is is just in shambles right now. Well, both the red and the blue tag division. Yeah, are. there is that. Um, let's let's talk about Matt Hardy real quick because I do have a stooge report on uh, Matthew Hardy. Uh, number one, uh, Woken Matt Hardy is no more on Twitter. If you haven't been over to Matt Hardy's Twitter, it is no longer Woken Matt Hardy. It is simply Matthew Hardy. Uh, the Stooge Report says uh, Matt Hardy had an allocation of about 50 tickets for Monday Night Raw in Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, Reby was right up front with King Maxwell. Of course, this match was, as far as a TV match goes, it's one of the better tag team triple threats that you've seen in a while. That's basically Matt's home arena. Um, it sounds like Matt Hardy is now going to go off and have back surgery. Uh, and at which time when he returns, he will be shadowing producers backstage and it sounds like Matt Hardy is officially done. He is going to be shifting to a producer role. Um, well, on the flip, you know, Bray's also been teasing uh, something new coming for him. Yep. he's uh, He was reaching out looking for some new entrance music the other day on Twitter, I saw. Yes. So, Godspeed, Matt Hardy. I hope this back surgery goes well. And in the event that he can't get cleared, it sounds like Matt will be shifting to a producer role, which I'm completely fine with. Um Rick, are you still listening to 83 Weeks? I'm, I'm in and out on it. it. It seems to be one of those things. I don't have it on a playlist, so it's just if, if I remember or if you know if they're on a, a topic or I hear someone you know, saying that this was a hot episode or something like that, I'll go check it out, but it, it's, not, uh, it's not religiously. One of the, the big narratives that I've noticed going throughout that show that Bischoff keeps bringing up is WCW never had anybody like Pat Patterson. They never had anybody that just specialized in finishes. And when I look back on the history of WCW, yeah, because they had some god-awful finishes in WCW, uh, maybe Matt Hardy can become that person. Matt Hardy is incredibly creative when it comes to finishes. Could you see Matt Hardy in, in basically just a finishing coach kind of role? Uh, you know, somewhere along those lines. Or, you know, you know they got... I got JB and you, you know, anytime that you can think that you've got those two minds available, if you can get them together, uh, especially with the way that professional wrestling continues to evolve, I mean, those guys are going to keep you, uh, you know, right at that cutting edge, man. If you've got Matt Hardy and Jeremy Borash as, as two of the heads of your creative team, and then you've got Gabe Sapolsky booking the damn thing, things look good at least 10, 15 years from now. Uh, Let's go back to, to Strowman and Owens here. Uh, of course, the, the stipulation here is no matter how Kevin Owens wins this thing, he walks away with the money in the bank contract. Huckleberry, I think Kevin Owens is going to walk away with the money in the bank contract tonight. Uh, I, I know that you have said on on previous shows that Kevin Owens has, you know, he's cost Braun some matches here and there, but I still feel like this feud has been 95% Braun Strowman murdering Kevin Owens and 5% Kevin Owens screwing Braun Strowman out of matches that don't really matter just to establish that he can. Uh, I'm going with Kevin Owens to capture the briefcase here. Okay. I, I, to me, this one is impossible to, to call at this point uh, because it, it it's going to be so impactful when it means so much what they're going to do booking wise in that universal championship match. Yep. I agree. Uh, it, whatever whatever your direction is after that match, uh, this match is really going to be telling of 
you know, what direction that is. Well, here's a teaser. This is not the last that we will see out of Kevin Owens on my SummerSlam preview. Let me ask you this. Do you, okay, anyway, and it's not even that, it's not, they, and I, I kind of like how they're, they're wording this thing, you know, they're kind of tricky about this. It's the buzzwords are trying to lead you in a direction. It's not any way that, that, I mean, it is, but they're not saying it. It's not any way Kevin Owen wins. They repeatedly are saying any way that Braun loses. Yes. I think that's more important. Braun is going to lose this match. I'm not sure Kevin Owens is going well, to that's, win. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you is, is, are they, are they hitting us with those buzzwords, you know, planting that seed in our mind? Because it's obviously, oh, man, everyone, Kevin Owens can take it easy. Well, yeah, he's all disqualified. Anyway, they really shock us and Kevin actually pins the big man? Well, there that very well could happen. Um, but it would have to be through some kind of Tom fuckery, I would think. I mean, to do that, it would have to be something like, yeah, because the big show has been cleared. Rick, did you hear this? Big show has officially been cleared to return to action as soon as creative has something for him. You think that there's any chance that maybe the big show comes out and somehow costs Braun Strowman this match? I mean, big show and Braun has been probably Braun's no pun intended biggest rival. Oh, to me, I, I don't know, especially long term if that moves me at all. Uh, but I would pop if Big Show came out in an El Generico mask. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and Cosper on this match. I would love to see Sami Zayn make his return tonight. But, of course, we just saw Sami Zayn just recently had uh, surgery on his second shoulder. So I don't think that we're going to be seeing uh, one Mr. El Generico or Sami Zayn anytime soon. But I, I would pop for a Big Show in an El Generico mask. That would be rather entertaining. I'm going with Kevin Owens. Which way Which way are you feeling this? You think Braun's going to retain the Money in the Bank briefcase, or do you think Owens is going to capture it? I really, like I said, really tough to call because of the direction in the Universal Championship, but I actually, I think Braun's going to retain this thing. I'm going with Kevin Owens, and of course, we will hear a little bit more about Kevin Owens a little bit later on. Do you th would, would you have Braun cash in at SummerSlam, or are you going to save it? I, I still kind of like my idea of closing the show with the roar uh, and Brock Lesnar standing there tall with the Universal Championship. Then you hit the roar and Braun comes out and says, yeah, I, I'm not the I'm not the regular. I'm not your regular money in the bank briefcase holder. I, I'm not going to ambush you. I'm not going to come out here and even tell you I'm having the match after you just went to war with Roman Reigns. I'm here to tell you that I want your ass tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. I can get behind that as well. Uh, let's move on to Finn Balor taking on the constipated constable, Baron Corbin. At Extreme Rules, Finn Balor defeated Baron Corbin. A couple weeks later, rematch between these two was scheduled with Corbin defeating Balor. And then, of course, the constipated constable just talking about how small Balor is. That's basically been what this entire feud has been about. Um, this is one where I feel very, very torn as well, Rick, because I feel like this match also goes greatly off of what's going to happen inside of the universal title match. Because if Roman Reigns is going to become the babyface champion of the universe, I feel like the constipated constable needs to win this because Baron Corbin is going to be one of the challengers to a babyface Roman Reigns. If Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar is going to win the universal championship match, then I feel like Finn Balor needs to win this match. 
again, I feel like the booking of this match goes completely off of the universal title picture. I think this is one that you're, you're kind of overthinking. Uh, I think it's just as simple as they're higher on Corbin and they really feel that, that Balor is just that guy that you insert into these situations. Uh, he's kind of taking that role as a Dolph Ziggler. Yep. He's the new Dolph Ziggler. He's the new babyface version of Dolph Ziggler. You need a good man. You send Finn Balor out there to lose to the guy. And I think, I think it's that simple. Going with Corbin. Going with Corbin. I'm with you. I'm going with Corbin. Let's, uh, that, it's sad that the Finn Balor match is my cooldown match after the money in the bank and between the intercontinental championship match. Let's talk about, well, uh, I'll say, you know, for a lot of people as this, you know, this past week I was over on the J and K podcast, uh, you know, our, our good friends are on the roar network as part of the position.com and big Joe was, you know, he was, I think he said it kind of joking, but it, but it rang very true. That match is probably your restroom break in this uh, seven-hour marathon that we're going to have. Yeah, it's sad. If I get the Demon Balor, I'm going to be so pissed off that they wasted it on Baron Corbin and him just calling him small. I will be so pissed. Well, and especially with with no promotion. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, Seth Rollins with his boy Dean Ambrose taking on Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre. Of course, at Extreme Rules, Dolph Ziggler defeated Seth Rollins 5-4. to four. In a sudden death overtime 30 minute Iron Man match. That's right. Nine pinfalls. Ridiculous. To retain the Intercontinental Championship thanks to interference from Drew McIntyre. On the July 23rd episode of Raw, Rollins and Finn Balor defeated Ziggler and McIntyre. A rematch between Ziggler and Rollins for the title was scheduled for SummerSlam. And then, of course, just this past Monday night, we saw your Cincinnati brother in the crazy ass Dean Ambrose make his return looking like a, a certain era of triple H freaking Ambrose is jacked. Um, I'm going with Seth Rollins to, uh, regain the intercontinental championship here. Huckleberry. What are you thinking? You know, this is, this is another interesting one too. You know, how are they going to, how is this going to play out at the end? Uh, just not really what's going forward with Rollins and Ambrose, but, if you're if you're indeed right there, Jargo, and they do make the title swap, you know what does that mean for the show going forward? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I, I saw William Alicia posted something in over in the Hami Media discussion group just this morning. It sounds like Dolph Ziggler might be leaving to go make a movie. Well, if, if Dolph is going to take a little time away, uh, one thing I kind of saw, you know, maybe they were foreshadowing from this past week is that when they were coming out for the contract signing, Drew was very vocal of could definitely see if Roman Reigns goes over that Drew emerges as, you know, the top heel to challenge him through the fall. Yeah. And I think it's time too. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. I very much enjoyed them together. And we don't necessarily have to split them up, but I'm, I'm definitely ready to see, Drew move into something more serious and not play second fiddle to Ziggler. Uh, I I could see the title switch going, and obviously, then you know, then you could have another swerve. I know that a lot of people have been talking about this. You know, it's, it's the hot rumor. Uh, it seems like the movement people want to get behind is you know on Monday that Dean 
either does a hard turn showing some, you know, some colors of jealousy or, you know, they, he wins and Seth says, Hey, I'm celebrating. I'm bringing back my open challenge to Monday night raw. And it's Dean who actually answers that. Interesting. I, I have some plans for Rollins and Ambrose when it comes to Monday Night Raw, but we'll talk about it after we get past the universal title picture here. Let's uh, let's go on to another cool down match here. The New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. On July 21st, Paige announced the number one contenders tag team tournament, which of course consisted of all of four teams, uh, with the New Day winning this ridiculous tournament. Huckleberry, I... I think I'm going to go with New Day here. Uh, of course, there is that narrative that we have heard many a times. They've, of course, already made the New Day the longest reigning tag team champions inside of the WWE. But we have also heard that they want the New Day to break the record for the most title reigns inside of the WWE. This, of course, to uh, kind of shut some of those uh, people who say that Vince McMahon is a racist up. Um I'm going with New Day to capture the titles here because the Bludgeon Brothers are doing nothing for me as champions. I don't think they're doing anything for anyone. Uh, just not as champions, but as a team. You get two great talents, uh, you know, especially in Harper, that have just been you know, just boggled down by this terrible gimmick. And they're still just squashing jobbers. Like, give them something to do other than freaking squash jobbers. My God, how long have these guys been squashing jobbers? You're the tag team champions, and all you're doing is squashing jobbers? Really? I've kind of gone back. I've, I've, I've done a couple shows this week where I've talked about, you know, you know, predictions or what we like to see from this show. And each and every time I, I've, I've, I've held true to my I'm so sick of the New Day Act. It's, it embarrasses me. When I'm watching around other, uh, you know, outside of the, the smart community, just, you know, just your average fan, it's, it's embarrassing to me. But, you know, this this division is such a mess. It's the lowest it's possibly have, has ever been. If I guess if you're just going to do anything with it, put it back, put the titles back on your merch machine uh, and just let them go out there and do their comedy act. Uh, but at least they've got some some championships while they're out there. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Let's go uh, to the U S title match. Shinsuke Nakamura defending his United States championship against Jeff Hardy and no Randy Orton. Are, are we really to believe that Randy Orton is not going to be on this show? Or do you think this thing gets turned into a triple threat somehow on the pre-show? I think the interesting angle here is, are they just letting some of this Orton, uh, you know, all all this, I don't want to call it nonsense, but uh, all this fuss around here, are they, are they trying to just push it under the rug for the time being? Well, that could be as well. I'm going with Nakamura to retain the United States Championship here. I don't even feel like this is one of those matches that it's like, if you wanted to trim down this show, this is where I would start. I don't, I don't even want to see Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy right now. I want to see Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. And that's the interesting part. You know, this has been the champ is involved, but it's more about the blood feud between the other competitors where it's just, he's an afterthought and you'd like to see, you know, Nakamura get, get his win here. It's still too early in his reign to make any kind of switch, but let's move him on to something else. Let's get him involved in something where it is about him and a challenger 
we're and just not where the, he's a side note. Very much agreed. Now let's let's start to get interesting here because I feel like this is kind of the tale of two shows. On the first half of the show, you've got some of these minor titles, but boy, when you get into the second half of the show, is this thing stacked. Let's start off with the SmackDown Women's Championship. Carmella takes on Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Uh, on July 24th, Becky Lynch defeated SmackDown Women's Champion Carmella in a non-title match to earn the right to challenge Carmella for the championship at SummerSlam. The following week, Charlotte Flair returned to and saved Lynch from Carmella. Paige then making the match for Carmella to face Flair with the stipulation that if Charlotte won, she would be added to the match. Flair won, thus making it a triple threat. Carmella has been basically just a side note in this entire program now. I was completely on board for just Becky Lynch versus Carmella. They threw your precious fucking Char Char into this whole thing, and now it's all convoluted. It feels like it's much more about Charlotte and Becky. I'm going with Carmella to retain here, but Rick, I got some Tom fuckery afoot. Yeah, like you said, and just like we were talking, you know, previously with Nakamura, uh, Carmella has become kind of an afterthought on what else is going on within this little story. Just a little side note with her, though, uh, looked absolutely incredible this past week. Uh, she always does, but man, she was really bringing it to the table. I, I really enjoyed the, her, you know, her promo this week, and maybe it was so much so because I I didn't catch SmackDown until Wednesday night, and we had the news break, you know, Wednesday afternoon or, or late Tuesday, late Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, all this stuff with uh, with Dave Meltzer. And you know, questioning the weight of Peyton Royce, mm-hmm. and and I really I don't know if, if maybe that added to uh, my enjoyment listening to her promo because it was it was all about her looks. It was about the body and it, all eyes should be on me. I, I look so fabulous, blah blah blah. And then over you know in the Twitter verse, everyone's blowing up over someone saying that they they're heavier now than they were you know, a couple of years ago in the same profession. Uh, I, I like that Carmella now is just outwardly embracing that she's a diva. And she, you know, is maybe a little bit, I, I think she's been doing it be- before, but now that they're seeing the success over TNA with bringing sexy back, I think Carmella is representing that a little more. I've, I've told you multiple times that they were looking for, you know, Mella to become the next Bella. Yeah. Well, I, I have some Tom fuckery afoot here and, uh, it, it came to me from Instagram of all places yesterday. Of course, we we've heard this narrative that Oscar walked out on WWE and people are wondering what in the hell's going on. And then yesterday I see Oscar puts up this picture. I put it up in the Hameen media discussion group this morning because I wanted to talk about it. It seems as though Oscar is going back to kind of being her original independent character, Kana, with the crazy-ass makeup and everything. Huckleberry, what do you make of this? Yeah, I saw the, the photo that you put out there. Uh, looks very intense. Uh, I'm kind of familiar with, with her previous work uh, and that character just in doing research, you know, to, to see where she was coming from. The thing is, yeah, I mean, you know, on the surface, I'm all for you know, the change in direction for her. I just don't know. I have the faith that they'll execute it properly. 
Well, let's assume that they can execute this thing properly. Huckleberry, I'm ready to introduce a new stable to SmackDown Live. Ooh, intriguing. What do we got here? Okay, so the name of this stable is going to be called Kunoichi. And that literally translates in Japanese to female ninja. And I'm going to bring up Kairi Sane. I am going to bring directly to the SmackDown roster, Io Shirai. And I am going to put all three of these Japanese ladies together. And I am going to call them Kunoichi. And they are going to go through and they are just going to completely destroy everybody on the SmackDown roster. It doesn't matter if you're a heel. It doesn't matter if you're a baby face. The Japanese are coming and they are going to take everybody out. They're tired of your disrespecting bullshit. I, I like the direction, man. Uh, I just, I, again, I wouldn't trust uh, mainly WWE commentary being able to properly present Kanoichi. That, that seems like just they would turn it into like grab dick. But I like the direction. I, we, maybe come up with another name there, Diago. I want to see female ninjas, Huckleberry. That's what I want. I need female ninjas. I want freaking killers. I am tired of the Japanese being presented on the WWE TV as these damn comedy characters. I mean, even Nakamura now is doing it again, even as a heel. I get you, but do you trust the Grave and Saxon over there on Tuesday nights to properly you know, represent that or present it? Uh, that's going to turn into a little joke between those two. You know what I have done? I have gotten to where I just, I hit the mute button, man. I cannot take WWE commentary anymore. It is just awful. Even Corey Graves is just awful. Fire them all. Hell with this. Let's talk about AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. Yeah, because I'm putting it that early on the show because I know that's what WWE is going to do. At Extreme Rules, AJ Styles retained the WWE Championship against Rusev. Paige then, of course, announced AJ Styles' new opponent because, you know, nobody has to win anything to be a number one contender. Paige just announces it, which I also think is an interesting dynamic. Why would Paige go after Samoa Joe? Like, what's Paige got against AJ Styles? Jeez, that's kind of mean. So now we have Samoa Joe coming after AJ Styles. And Rick, it seems so TNA that we're bringing Wendy Styles into this thing. I don't like that whatsoever, but I feel like it's time for Samoa Joe to choke out AJ Styles, send him back home to spend some time with the family. I'm going with your new WWE champion, Samoa Joe. Yeah, I think if, if we're going to get a, a, you know, a, a pleasant shakeup, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not expecting this to be the only title change, but if we're going to get that pleasant shakeup, this would be it. What are you expecting from these two? Uh, A a little, uh, I I think this could potentially be the match. It's going to have the most people excited on this show, Uh, but this is something that we've seen time and time again. And we've seen it where the, you know, where the cuffs were off. They could go out and perform uh, a, you know, the highest level that they wanted to that, at, you know, at those times they were, I don't want to say they were better than they were, but they were probably more open athletically to attempting things. I think this will be one of the better matches of the night, but it's going to be under that WWE, you know, dynamic. 
Uh, it's not going to be the best match we've ever seen between these two. It's going to wow a lot of people. I, what I thought was, was absolutely hilarious, it was either yesterday or the day before, where uh, Ryan Bowman over the grillposition.com, you know, he's always sharing, you know, great moments in history that he shared it, it was so and so years ago that these two had their first five star match. I think these two are going to have a three star match. That's what I'm expecting. And, and, and within WWE, a three star match could be the best match of the night. Oh, that's absolutely possible. But I think I think that's what they're being instructed to do. I don't think that they are going to let these guys go out there and just burn this freaking house down because they they still have the Miz and Daniel Bryan we haven't talked about. You still have the Ronda Rousey dynamic we haven't talked about. You still have Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to talk about. I I don't think that they are going to let these guys go out there and just burn down the Barclays Center. I, I would tend to I would agree with you, Jarko. Uh, but you know, just for the sake of the mix-up, I'll also agree with you. I think that we're going to see a new champ, and Joe wins this thing, which is unfortunate. I, I I've enjoyed AJ Styles breaking whatever stupid ass record it was that people say that JBL had. Of course, is the way I feel about it is until you break Bruno's record, I don't really care. Um, AJ Styles, longest reigning SmackDown champion in history. He's now a two-time champion. I'm sure he will be a three-time champion. But I feel like if Joe is ever going to get this title, it's now. I'm not one for handing out gold watches and saying, hey, everybody gets a championship. But if Samoa Joe is ever going to be the WWE champion, right now is your best option. Well, if you're going to do a switch here, you, you, you put it on Joe here, give him a little bit of a run. And then maybe you say for the Australian Super Show, you want to have a big title change down there. Then you give it back to AJ in the rematch there. Yeah, I could see that too. Of course, I'm not, I'm not big on that. I would rather see Joe retain it and just hold this thing until Mania. If you're going to change the title here, I want to see Joe hold it till Mania. That's how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 could, I could go with you there. You know, And all depending too, everything is still up in the air with Daniel Bryan. Uh, that would be a tremendous program going into WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan chasing... Uh, the SmackDown Championship, or the WWE Championship. Yep, I like it. Of course, I think Daniel Bryan will be on Raw by then. Let's talk about uh, The Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Nice little segue. I like how you built that in there for me, Huckleberry. You know, there we go. I could read off this entire feud and what it is, but if you're listening to this show, chances are you know the history between Daniel Bryan and The Miz going all the way back to what was NXT when NXT was nothing more than a game show concept. Huckleberry, this is the time. This is the place. I want to see The Miz shitting everybody's Cheerios. The Miz has to win this match. Does the outcome of this match, does it really bring in, is it a lot of bringing in a question the future of Daniel Bryan? Well, I think that's obviously the storyline going forward here. That's what you really want everybody to think about. Of course, it sounds like all indications are Daniel Bryan is resigning. I don't think that there's much question about that at this point. I, I, I basically just have Bryan penciled in as a permanent part of the Raw roster because I'm going to send Daniel Bryan over to Monday Night Raw, and maybe you do that through the contract itself. Maybe the contract expires and he signs with Monday Night Raw, and then we can call up Johnny Gargano to SmackDown. Yeah, and I'd like to see the Miz play a role. Now, maybe it's either like the stipulation of uh, you're gone from SmackDown. They set that up on the pre-show, or 
you know, it's been mentioned between these two myths. It's like, man, just let your contract expire and get the hell out of here. And then let's say, you know, on the Raw or on the SmackDown, right when that contract's about to expire, you know, Miz throws like a big going away party. Oh, I'd love that. You know, something that really just humiliates Daniel Bryan uh, and sends him, you know, to the red brand. And then that gives that opens that leaves an open door for you somewhere down the line to revisit these two with an even even a hotter feud than the one they're already in. Now the, the feud itself, uh, this has been some 50-50 booking because I feel they got half of it right and half of it wrong. I think they've how they presented this from the Miz side has been great. Uh, he's he's on fake assignment because you know at the time we he wasn't filming actually the show or anything. Uh, everything's in a can. It hadn't been renewed. So he's re- he's just dodging Daniel Bryan. But to the way they presented Bryan as the aggressor here, it's not very becoming of that true baby. Uh, it should have been, as, as we said, you know, Bryan's sitting there. He's like, Miz, the only thing I, I told you I wanted to do when I, when I eventually got cleared is to punch you in the face. And I'm going to be standing here in this ring waiting for you. Until you show up at SummerSlam, and I'm going to punch you in the face. Yep, that's all you needed. I love the video packages Tuesday on SmackDown, but my only complaint is they should have ran part one, let's see, what, three weeks ago? And then they should have ran part two two weeks ago, and then ran part three this week. The, the video packages were fantastic, but I didn't need all three of them on one show. And the video packages were far better than anything they had done the previous two weeks. I agree. You know, just trying to get too much in on that last push uh, where this could have been something that was, you know, just played out over the course of a few weeks. Yep. They're trying to do too much. That's always been my complaint about their creative. Just quit trying to be cute and just do fucking pro wrestling. God damn it. Let's talk about Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey. After retaining her champ her title against Nia Jax at Extreme Rules in an Extreme Rules match, of course, now we have Alexa Bliss gloating that she had beaten every woman on the roster. Ronda Rousey, who uh, Bliss attacked at Money in the Bank and cost her her championship match, had also been suspended, came out of the crowd, attacked Bliss and Mickey James. Of course, there was no security. I complained about it for weeks. Rick, this is another one of those programs. I feel like it's been built terribly but i look forward to the match i'm going with ronda rousey winning this match by disqualification and alexa bliss retaining the raw the raw women's championship Uh, i agree with you i think the right call is to which by whatever means is bliss has to leave with that championship yep i think rousey finally claims the championship at evolution I think that's how they want to go off the air at Evolution. I agree with you there, and I and I think Ronda is you know obviously the dominant force within that you know the entire women's division. Uh, that's that's where they're at there, but I think there's still so much more you know just to the the traditional uh, pro wrestling psychology of there's a lot more money to be made with her chasing. Yep. Uh, Now, the other question is, of course, the logical choice would have been for Natalia to be the one to turn on Ronda Rousey. That's not happening. Yeah, I I don't think you have. This is not the time. No, not not under the circumstances. It will not be Natalia turning on Ronda Rousey here. 
So I'm going with Baszler. I think Baszler is going to get involved in this match, whether she is still the NXT champion or not. But I think she will be now because I'm calling Kyrie Sane up to SmackDown. Well, we, we see you playing into how you were going to book this thing, how you'd play it out. Uh, it changes a lot of things. Real quick, I know we you know we had talked before you know about the the opening on Raw with you know Ronda, you know being the one that was kind of handpicked to kind of give that. Uh, that tribute to Nightheart is Bret Hart commented on that decision at all? Not that I am aware of. Uh, the, the only statement I have seen out of the hitman is basically, I have no words right now and a picture of him and Jim. Uh, that, that's cool. I, I, you know, I was just curious. I know saying sometimes the hitman is, uh, he's pretty outspoken. Oh yes. And he loves being critical. That's for sure. Um, so what do you think? Is it going to be Baszler? Is that what causes the DQ here? I, I kind of, I am still a fan of that. Uh, I don't want to see Baszler lose at NXT, uh, a takeover. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see her out there. They've wrote, they rolled out the red carpet for you. Why I've been doing this, right? I'm the one. Uh, that it started from the bottom. I, I didn't have all this fanfare, but out of our group of horsewomen, I'm the one as a champion. Yeah, I like that. And I feel like Alexa Bliss and Baszler could play off of each other incredibly well. So that's what I'm saying. I, Rousey wins this thing by DQ, but still women's champion Alexa Bliss. Because then you keep her her undefeated streak in you know intact. Uh, and I and I really love how Bliss has been playing it up and continually reminds us you're a rookie. Yep. Out smarter. You betcha. So let's talk about the big match here. Huckleberry. We got one match left and it's the big one. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Of course we, this build is now what four years in the making. It's something absolutely ridiculous like that. I got to thinking about this thing, man, and there, there's something about Monday Night Raw that just did not sit well with me when it comes to Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman. Why would Brock Lesnar go on a three-week ruse to get to Roman Reigns? It does not feel at all like Brock Lesnar's character. What feels like Brock Lesnar's character is I'm going to jump Roman Reigns in the back and just lay his ass out. I'm not going to lay out this huge, meticulous plan to get into Roman Reigns' head. That's not Brock Lesnar's style. There's something else going on here, man. Well, what do you got? So is, is Paul you know, manipulating Brock? I think Paul is manipulating everyone, and I think Paul Heyman, I think Paul Heyman, is going to end up with Roman Reigns. I think, you, do you remember this from Monday Night Raw when Paul Heyman said to Roman Reigns in Samoan? You're right. I am drowning. I'm drowning with the knowledge that I learned when I was 15 and 16 and 17 years old riding in the car with your uncle Afa and your father Sika. You know what? You know what your father taught me on those car rides? Something that your father taught all of his sons. 
They didn't teach it to you in English because he wanted you to understand. This came from the heart because he taught it to you in Samoan. Falafi tu Manu Malo. Tell you what, I'll make this so easy. I prepared something. It's an agreement in principle. There's no pressure, there's no games. Please, please look this over. Don't give me your answer tonight. You give me your answer this Sunday at SummerSlam. Yeah, that's right. I ripped the audio. Paul Heyman knows Samoan. And when he said that to Roman Reigns, Roman gets this look on his face like, what the hell are you talking about? We have no idea what it is that Paul Heyman said to Roman Reigns because Huckleberry, I don't know about you, but I don't speak Samoan. I was going to say, it was great that you picked up on it. I didn't pick up on it uh, during the exchange between the two. What was on the piece of paper? I think that's the big question what people are overlooking. What was on the piece of paper? So here's what I'm thinking. I think Paul Heyman warned Roman Reigns in Samoan. I think Paul Heyman told Roman Reigns, you take this ass whipping and you will be the champion of the universe come Sunday. You know, if he came right out and said it, or if it was a even like uh forgive me now i'll make up for it sunday like he said to him hey brock is here here's what's going to happen now don't be alarmed this is nothing but water just put on a good show and sunday you will be the champion of the universe to me to me brother uh, that is great I think that would be, you know, this ultimate swerve that would get everybody excited. We still don't know what was on the paper. We have no idea, but that there's something about that look from Roman Reigns. It wasn't that he was thinking about joining with Paul Heyman. He's like, Paul, what the fuck is going on right here? Very interesting. Uh, and I think that if they went with that finish, I know so many people right now are like, oh, whoever wins this thing, we, they've got to include the case. I, I've said it myself. I think if you go with that finish, you don't necessarily need the, the, the case. Oh, no. I'm bringing out the case because all of a sudden, that's right, out comes Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is going to cash in on Roman Reigns, and he gets in the ring, and they hug. Roman Reigns? Kevin Owens and Paul Heyman, they're all together. What do you think of that? But then what does Kevin do with this case? I mean, Ah. are they constantly looking over their shoulder? Or is it just, I'll put the case away in case you lose the championship? Well, you see what's going on is Heyman's collecting all the belts. He's collecting all the talent. You ain't going to be able to get rid of Paul Heyman. But you know who could get rid of Roman Reigns is Samoa Joe. Oh, 
That's right, the new WWE Champion, he comes out too. And him and Roman Reigns shake hands. You have a new dangerous alliance that is going to go across all of your platforms on the main roster. I'm going to throw Hideo Itami into this thing too. It's going to be Hideo Itami, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and Samoa Joe, all headed by Paul Heyman. And let the chaos ensue. Interesting twist there, Drago. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a little too much for me, uh, but it was definitely something that would spike my interest uh, in what we have going on in WWE. I like it. I like it a lot. But it, seriously, though, I think Paul Heyman is going to end up with Roman Reigns, and I don't think it's going to work. I would have to agree with you there. I think it's going to be one of those. Most situations where this would just ultimately backfire. So what do you think? Who's who's walking out? Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar? Man, I, I am going to I'm gonna it's a, this is such a tough call. I, I kind of want of you stay stay true to what I've been kind of pitching is you know that Brock wins this thing and Braun comes out and sets the challenge for Monday night uh, to really try to give uh, the red brand, the flagship program, uh, that major try to get a major spike. See what you could really do with a match of that magnitude happening on cable television, especially when you're going to be staring at Monday Night Football uh, within a week's time. Uh, I, I want to say go that route, but in doing so, you know, if Roman Reigns once again fails to capitalize on an opportunity to grab the Universal Championship, I don't know what that does for him going forward. So that that puzzles me a little bit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true to it, and I'm gonna go with Brock Lesnar. Oh, this one's a tough one. I think I'm with you. I think I'm gonna end up picking Brock Lesnar when it comes to the Pick'em Challenge, because of course we're going after the tag team titles in the PEC this weekend. I think when you put all the bullshit aside, I think I'm gonna go with Brock Lesnar. But I'm telling you, I got this feeling, man, there's something about what was said there in Samoan and what was on that note. I, I really love that you picked up on it. I don't I haven't seen anyone else mention this anywhere. And I think that was a key. Uh, I think the way they put that together, that could be, you know, a lasting image going forward. Oh, man, they got us right there. Yeah, I, I, I just have this feeling that there's something more to that but I don't know what it is because I don't speak Samoan. And, and you know, you know, creatively, maybe he doesn't have the, the end-all, be-all uh, saying in this thing, but you know that, that Mr. Heyman has his fingerprints on this thing. Oh, very he, he's much help, so. He's helping guide this. What I think is also very interesting that we, you know, we've heard the rumor, the news out there that you know, Sunday afternoon, they're going to have a 4 o'clock meeting, closed doors with everyone involved. To let everyone know the finish. That tells me Brock Lesnar's winning. That's that's how that feels to me. Uh, yeah, and it also could be, you know, 4 o'clock, that's when they invite Roman in. At 3.30, 3.15, 3.30, Brock could be in there, you know, putting the ink on a new deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Stay away from Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be surprised, because you know there's going to be some kind of stooge report. There's going to be all kinds of fake news about what's going on backstage at SummerSlam when it comes to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. And I feel like by association, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. Uh, I think one of the possibilities that we have not discussed nearly enough here is what happens if Kevin Owens and Paul Heyman end up a team? What happens if Braun Strowman and Paul Heyman end up a team? That's a possibility here as well. Yeah, I mean, so many different directions they could go in. Oh, we could get someone out of left field. Yeah, it just kind of occurred to me as, as we're sitting here you know, talking about it. Not that he necessarily he needs a mouthpiece, but I think they would just fit so well together. I think they would play off of one another uh, tremendously. Uh, EC3 and Paul Heyman. Ooh, that's a great one, too. Uh, another one I wanted to bring up here is Dean Ambrose. Not that I want Dean Ambrose to be a Paul Heyman guy, but of course, when you're talking about Roman Reigns, you also have to talk about Seth Rollins, and you have to talk about Dean Ambrose, and you have to talk about the possibility of there being a Shield reunion, right? Um, so I feel like everybody is expecting Ambrose to turn heel here, but I feel like everybody sees it coming and that's all the reason not to do it right now. I think those two, those two work so well together, but we've seen those guys have a long-term feud. Uh, maybe, you know, roles being reversed would be different with Rollins and Ambrose just because it's easy to see doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Uh, and I, if it keeps those two away from, from Roman, uh, gives them something through the fall, through the rest of the year as a hot program for the, you know, the IC championship, I, I think that's great. Uh, and I think on the other side, as Roman does actually go over in this thing, uh, no matter if he's aligned with anyone, I think you know, Drew McIntyre would be a great challenger. I think it's going to be interesting to watch as this show develops – I think you'll be able to forecast who is going to win this thing. It's just, it's going to be such a long show that you might have to sit there with a pen and paper and write down, okay, now this happened and this happened and then this happened. One thing I'm not so much looking forward to the in-ring action here, but as we go down, you know, half this card, as you said, you know, we, we've got a lot of filler at the top, but when you get to the loaded matches, there is the potential for some great creative, you know, how are they going to spin this thing? coming out of the, the hottest event of the summer, going into the fall, especially when we got all these other, you know, so much on their platform with these other big marquee events. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens going forward. Of course, it's also going to be intriguing to see how they actually do the build to evolution. I think that's going to be one of the big uh, sticking points coming out of this show is we're going to start building to the evolution pay-per-view how many TV segments are they actually going to give the women on the build to evolution? Or are they going to convolute this thing with a bunch of six woman tags and eight woman tags? What's Sasha and Bailey going to do coming out of Brooklyn? What a huge missed opportunity you know, that you know, is right now between both shows. They're already, you know, upping how many segments the ladies are getting each one, each on each program. Uh, you're seeing almost the, you know, last week when uh, Ronda made her uh, in-ring debut on, on Raw, not last week, two weeks ago or whatever that was, that almost entire third hour was women. Mm -hmm. 
we've seen it regularly on SmackDown. They're getting, you know, just in that short two-hour show where everything is kind of uh, quick hits, they're getting three or four segments. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see what happens going forward. I, I still think the smartest thing to do, cut back the damn promo time. Just go back to the, that AWA-style 90-second promo, and then you can get so much more on the show instead of doing these 10, 15-minute segments. It's just ridiculous. So that's wrap, let's wrap things up for your SummerSlam preview. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network, part of the GorillaPosition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Also, visit HackerHameen.Podbean.com, where RBV and I will be reviewing tomorrow's big show, Monday, in the locker room. Find us on Twitter, at HTMPWPod. Let us know what you think of the the big matches tomorrow night, who you think is going to win. Join us over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group for the Pick'em Challenge, where Huckleberry and I are going to take down the reigning tag team champions and claim our rightful gold. You can always find me across all social media platforms, at NotJargo, RBV. How do the Kunachi find you? As always, you can find me across all social media, at the Real RBV. Uh, as you as you threw out there, Jargo, we're going to be back in the ear holes Monday morning. Uh, that, that remember when we have these big pay per views, you got a little bit of a delayed release time as we are uh, we're getting up right and early to break down the show. Haven't confirmed it yet, but he's usually with us after these marquee events. And that would be one Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, can also on Tuesday evening, ten thirty p.m. Eastern, uh, catch me over on one wrestling video. For uh, this week in the WWE with RBV, and then we'll be right back here on the Hitting Marks uh, next week with our uh, seven-day countdown to All In. Oh, so crazy. You said that, and I literally got freaking goosebumps. It's ridiculous. Enjoy TakeOver, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy SummerSlam. Join us Monday in the locker room as the road to StarCast and All In continues. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Well.